0: weeks ago we looked ahead to farm safety week now it's happened how did it go
1: it was a very hectic week but the engagement that we had was just so phenomenal and so encouraging
0: and did you hear about the washingborough farmer who put some of his land into a higher level stewardship scheme for 10 years but then couldn't get it back afterwards There followed a lengthy legal battle
2: It, it, it was cheap and it was most definitely very stressful
0: more on both of those stories in a moment, plus Sean's here for the last time for three weeks with some timely agronomy advice and kit from Openfield looks at the markets and prices. And later we'll have our detailed farming weather forecast for the week ahead. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, a mixed bag weather-wise this week. Hope it's been good for you and the harvest is going to plan. I'm Steve Orchard. Hope you're staying safe and well. We'll start with a look back at a very successful Farm Safety Week, which ended last Sunday. Stephanie Barkley, Farm Safety Foundation Manager and uh, responsible for just about everything to do with Farm Safety Week. Um, You must be exhausted.
1: Uh, Do you know, it's a great exhaustion, Steve. I mean, it was a very hectic week. But the engagement that we had was just so phenomenal and so encouraging. It just, there's so many good conversations happening now reg- regarding Farm Safety Week and the various elements we covered that, yeah, it's good to get the ball rolling.
0: You must have got a lot of responses and a lot of messages from people.
1: Well, yeah, actually, we set out our um, hero video. At, we published it at 11 o'clock on social media. And we've had three quarters of a million views of it. You know, and that's amazing. It's it's so good. It's not an advert, it's just a little video saying a message and the amount of people that tweeted it and liked it and shared it and tagged people in it. I mean we were actually um in the Republic of Ireland we were trending number one, hashtag Farm Safety Week on the first day, and we were number twenty four in the UK, which is amazing if you actually think about it. Um, for such a small campaign. For it to be number 24 as a trending hashtag, it's incredible.
0: Well, you say it's a small campaign, but it's obviously something that is capturing interest and seems to be becoming more and more to the forefront of our minds in agriculture at the moment, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it does. And, and, and it's fantastic to see that. I think we did a bit of a, a departure this year with our subjects, but actually... The thing is, if you're telling farmers the same thing again and again, it becomes white noise like everything does. But when we started to introduce things like rural road safety into the campaign, the uptake in that, especially given now, and the emphasis that the government is putting on cycling and that, that seems to have actually hit a note at the right time. Farmers were suddenly realising, actually, yes, I know there's more road cyclists out there, Although, to be honest, people were saying, well, yeah, it's all farmers to blame. No, what they didn't realise is we were speaking on behalf of the farmers. British Cycling were speaking to their members to let them know. So it was a joint education piece from two different angles. So that was amazing. But also when we brought up texting and TikTok as part of a safety issue, there are things happening now. Stuart Roberts, the vice president of the NFU, was on straight away you're absolutely right, we need to stop this, it's not acceptable. So we're working with um, NFU and the Young Farmers Clubs to really just try and stamp out th- that silly, reckless behaviour when people film some- themselves doing something dangerous on a farm and then put it up on Facebook for likes, you know.
0: I'm sure you saw the, uh, the Twitter video of guys who put themselves in the middle oh. of a bale-wrapping machine. There seem to be two or three of these gone out. I mean, it's just crazy, they're, they're
1: Oh honestly and you know it's one of those things that you you just go guys come on we are trying to address this issue you know we're trying to stop losing so many amazing farmers every year you know why would you put yourself in that danger it's not a prank pranks are supposed to be funny that's no laughing matter it's not funny don't do it.
0: Absolutely so what's next?
1: Ah no what's (laughs) next well basically for us we're Back into training, so come September, we are going back into the various colleges and Rice Homes, one of the ones that we do every year as well. You know, so we're right in thirty different colleges right throughout the UK with our virtual reality training. Um, we are also going to be getting our results from the research that we've been conducting for the last couple of weeks, which will be quite interesting as well. Attitudes under in young farmers to everything from mental health to farm safety, to where they go for help and how they can support each other. And then, obviously, we're going to start working on Mind Your Head, which is their next campaign that runs sort of the start of next year. Um, and it's about the issue of rural isolation and farmers um, in, with depression and trying to prevent the suicides that are taken. 83 members of the agricultural-related trades every year die by suicide. So that's something, you know, when you think about it, if there's 20 people losing their lives in accidents, but 83 deliberately taking their own lives mm. in the industry. Got to talk about that too, Steve.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well done to you, Stephanie, and everybody yeah. who's involved in Farm Safety Week and at the Farm Safety Foundation. Uh, Stephanie Barclay, thank you so much for joining me again.
1: Thanks for having me,
0: Steve. Unfortunately, though, we've lost another agricultural event from this year's now rather sparse calendar. The Midlands Machinery Show, due to take place at the Newark Showground in November, is the latest to fall victim to COVID-19. The show will be back next year and will still be presenting its Agricultural Engineering Apprentice Awards in November. Here's Newark and Notts Agricultural Society event show and development manager, Elizabeth Houseall.
3: I mean, we're obviously very disappointed that we've had to cancel the Midlands Machinery Show, but we've, we felt that we still wanted to support the sector and the industry, and the apprenticeship awards run normally in conjunction with the show. So we've taken the decision this time to continue to support the um, apprenticeship awards, and we will be going out, I would say, come September and starting to actively look for agricultural engineering apprentices. Um, to be put forward for the awards which we hope to run um, in November, we haven't got a date as yet but um, they'll be awarded at some point in November. Uh,
0: these are the Agricultural Engineering Apprenticeships what yes. what qualification are they working towards?
3: There's a number of either diplomas and, and degrees, I mean ideally for to enter into our awards we're looking for first and second years who are um, working for an agricultural engineering business and potentially on day release, or they could well be studying full-time, um, and that would be within the East Midlands area. And just as an example, last year we had seven apprentices coming forward, most of which were working for agricultural uh, dealerships uh, within the East Midlands, and then they were on a day release either with uh, Rice Home College. Uh, we had um, one or two from um, Ask and Brian as well. So. We, we, we try not to be too prescriptive in terms of actually what they'll get at the end of it. We are looking to actually support those apprentices on their journey um, through to their qualifications.
0: When do you open up nominations and how can somebody nominate?
3: Um, we'll be opening them up in uh, come September, once all the uh, colleges are sort of back online. Um, people can actually contact me directly. Um, all, this, all the Newark and Knotts Agricultural Society at Newark Showground um, to put themselves forward. And we also work with the colleges um, um, and the agricultural businesses and, and let them know that the awards are open again um, for them to put um, potential apprentices forward.
0: And that will be newarkshowground.com, is that right? Yes. Elizabeth Housel from the Newark and Notts Agricultural Society, many thanks. One bit of good news on the agricultural show front is that the dairy show run by the Royal Bath and West Society will go ahead on the 7th of October. In other news, DEFRA has confirmed that farmers in England will no longer have to comply with EU greening measures, which typically account for 30% of direct payments in order to receive the full BPS money next year. Last week, we spoke to Grantham sheep farmer Chris Elkington about the difficulties faced getting any kind of return for their wool. Now, British Wool, the National Sheep Association and the NFU have all endorsed a petition signed by 17,000 people demanding... the use of British wool in the government's home insulation scheme. They say the research has been done and it works, it just needs the government to back it. And Coincidentally, Axminster Carpet says it wants to deal directly with sheep farmers to shorten the supply chain and get money to producers for carpet-grade wool. Managing partner Gary Bridge is urging farmers to get in touch. To agronomy now, Sean Sparling, welcome. Can't believe it's August already. And what a very unusual, challenging year 2020 is turning out to be. Floods, drought, Brexit, COVID-19. What next? Morning, Sean.
4: Yes, a very good morning to you, Steve. You are absolutely bang on with that. It's been a very, very testing 12 months since this time last year. Not just for farmers, but for agronomists as well. A perfect storm of situations and consequences that will result from those situations but I'll come on to that in a minute let's just do the agronomy bit short and sweet for that glyphosate pre-harvest remember you cannot put glyphosate pre-harvest on any crop for seed whether that be spring wheat spring barley winter wheat peas beans because it affects the germination and it affects the vigor so don't use glyphosate pre-harvest on any seed crops and it's also just worth checking with the merchant or the person you're selling your grain to whether it's uh, malting barley or otherwise just to make sure they're happy with you treating the seed pre-harvest. Some of them can be a bit funny but it's always worth checking. You don't want to um, use glyphosate and then find out they didn't want you to do that in the first place. So have a word with them, just make sure you're okay. There's nothing wrong with glyphosate, it's absolutely safe but some people can be a little bit funny about it. Um, Also remember that spring beans, the time to desiccate spring beans is when 30% just like any other crop but it's when the pods have gone black. The majority of the pods will be black. Um, 30% moisture in a cereal crop is when you shove your thumb. Thumbnail into the grain itself, and it holds on to that thumbnail imprint. That's thirty percent, and thirty percent is crucial because it means the crop is physiologically ripe, and it cannot therefore translocate the glyphosate back up, so it can't get to the grain. There's a physical barrier between actual contact as you spray. So there's pod around a bean and a pea, and there's a gloom around the barley and the wheat, so you won't physically contact. But that thirty percent moisture is crucial, not just for getting glyphosate on the grain but also to make sure that you're maximizing your output because if you put it on at 35-40% you're going to damage the yield and that's one thing you won't be able to afford to do in a season like this. Um, Sugar beet first signs of disease we said we were finding a bit of rust a couple of weeks ago that's more easy to find although not absolutely widespread everywhere and certainly not endemic out there in the field but we are seeing an increase in powdery mildew on odd plants not just in sugar beet actually you can see it in peas and that's a testimony to just how the weather's changed how it's got hot and humid potato blighty mildewy moist damp conditions in the bottom of the crop hot and humid and the microclimate starts to proliferate down in the bottom potato blight keep those intervals at seven days this is perfect blight weather and you may as i said last week wish to be moving into the tuba blight product so let's just talk about why it's been the perfect storm of a dodgy and difficult season and why i'm ready for a holiday if you think back to last august the first two weeks of august were very Very wet so harvest 2019 was severely disrupted. We didn't get crops in the ground, oilseed rape didn't go in the ground much before the end of August. But it came very very dry from the middle of August to the 23rd of September and we lost about 40% of the planting of oilseed rape that went into the ground at huge cost to growers because of a combination of cabbage stem flea beetle adults grazing those crops off to nothing and we have nothing in the way of tools in the armoury anymore to reliably control the cabbage stem flea beetle but also the effects of the drought because a lot of crops went in the ground and didn't actually come through the ground because of that dry spell throughout a hot dry spell baking dry spell throughout the first 23 days of september so that's a lesson to be learned for this year if you do decide and i use the word if advisedly if you do decide to put oilseed rape in the ground this autumn um this august this early september make sure there's some rain in the forecast so the crop gets in and up and away um then it started raining on the 23rd of September 2019 and it didn't stop between 23rd of September and the 31st of December I had 6 days where it didn't rain and none of those ran consecutively and in that period I took the equivalent of one Olympic-sized swimming pool worth of water on every single acre minimum that I look after. That meant we got about 10 to 15% of the winter cereals in the ground. Very little winter wheat, very little winter barley. Then we had the mildest winter that I've recognised for a year or two. I think I took three days where the temperature dropped down below freezing. Then we took the wettest February on record. So spring land work hadn't started. And into, if we hadn't had a dry March, we would never have got anything in the ground. And we had one of the driest March, Aprils and May that we've ever experienced. The net result of that is some very thin crops out there in the field, an awful lot of spring wheat, awful lot of spring barley, an awful lot of peas and beans, mostly on farms where people have never grown those crops before, but needs must. And without that dry March and April, which was a double-edged sword, we wouldn't be looking at a harvest now. So, It's going to be a complicated season. The yields, I couldn't tell you where they're going to be. I've my fingers crossed that they're going to be very good. There's going to be an awful lot of spring barley, spring wheat, beans and peas in the marketplace, so quality will be everything. I'm not sure what that's going to do to farm incomes. It could affect the price downwards if there's so much supply and demand and all that. So my plea, really, is to the land agents out there and the people who set farm rents that you think very, very carefully about the situation that your farm... ...farmers find themselves in at Harvest 2020. The likelihood of depressed yields... ...and the likelihood of much reduced farm incomes... ...mean you cannot, with your hand on your heart... ...and in all good conscience, put rents up this year. If anything, you should be looking at putting these rents down... ...because unless you look after these farmers you cannot bite the hand that feeds you they need to be in business next year to make sure that you still have a job to do next year so my plea to all of you land agents out there is think very very carefully and think about your customers and think about the season they've just gone through and the implications it has to their farm incomes going forward that's all i'm going to say on it please think about the farmers because it is going to be a very, very difficult 12 months and Brexit hasn't even kicked in yet. So, I'm away for me holidays. I wish every one of you a very, very good harvest. I wish you the best of prices out there. I'm going to go away for a couple of weeks. I'm going to come back fully refreshed, fully reinvigorated, full of enthusiasm and full of shatternerf to pap. Good morning.
0: Sean, have a lovely and well-deserved break. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Program with Steve Orchard. Some good news. Robot highways led by Saga Robotics who are from Norway but work closely with and have a base at the University of Lincoln have been awarded nearly £2.5 million to perform the largest known global demonstration of robotics and autonomous technologies on a farm. The robots they make will assist farmers by carrying out essential energy intensive physical farm processes such as picking and packing fruit and treating crops to reduce critical pests and diseases. Congratulations to all involved. And a Lincolnshire farmers won a landmark battle to bring farmland back into production after it was placed in a 10-year environmental stewardship scheme. Let's get the full story from Rob Applewhite from Washingborough. I just want to get the, the story correct, uh, that you placed 150 hectares of arable land into a higher-level stewardship scheme back in 2007, and then when you wanted to take it out of stewardship and actually plant some crops... You weren't allowed to, is that right?
2: That, that is correct. The area was slightly larger. They did allow us to take roughly about 100 acres out initially, but they wouldn't let us take the remaining chunk out.
0: And what was the aim originally? What what we what we'd actually doing with the fields um, when putting them in the stewardship scheme?
2: The aim of the scheme was to raise the groundwater levels to, to try and encourage wading birds down there and, and um, five different target species um and also to preserve any archaeology that was down there
0: and you agreed at the outset that when the 10-year scheme ended you got the land back and you could carry on doing what you were doing before is that right
2: that is right with the exception of we have got a scheduled ancient monument down there the cardite runs a lot across the top of 10 fields so we we did know once we went into the scheme that the likelihood of us ever cultivating that again was slim um uh, we did get permission, bizarrely, uh, to cultivate it to four inches uh, when they um, this 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 was around when the scheme was going to end, and to reseed it. Um, but we knew that roughly, it's about twelve twelve to fifteen acres that we would never probably be able to farm again.
0: But the majority of the land that you put into the stewardship scheme, you couldn't do anything with. Correct. So then there followed a battle. <laughs> yes, and that took what three years was it? A legal battle. Yes. Yeah, roughly three years it's taken. That must have been an expensive thing to do.
2: It, it, it wasn't cheap, and it was most definitely very stressful.
0: Mm. And uh, apart from the, the legal costs of this, how much do you reckon it's cost you in terms of lost cropping?
2: Well, lost cropping, I think it's cost us around 200000
0: Wow. And that's a heck of a lot of money, isn't it, to, to come out of any business are, are we all sorted now? Are you able to get back into a new crop? And when, when will you be planting again?
2: Yeah, we are fully sorted. We basically got their reply, which was three paragraphs. Um, and we've now started spraying some of it off. And we are looking to cultiv- we will start cultivating it probably within the next two weeks, some of it.
0: Okay, and given this delay, this three years delay, are you entitled to anything by way of compensation for, for what you've lost? We're-
2: We're currently looking into
0: that at the minute as we speak. Have you got any advice for anybody else that might be in a similar situation, Rob?
2: Uh, I have. I mean, I've got a neighbour who's in exactly the same situation as we are at the minute. He's in appeal at the minute. Um, Just stick with it. Mine was so wrong. I I didn't think for one minute I would lose. But it's just the the way they went about it. So just stick with it. Take a bit of advice difficult for us because we were the first ones to we were, we sort of we were leading the way in this it's the first one that that so, that's come out bear in mind we would never have gone into this scheme knowing that we'd have tied it up um, forever and a day this, this is land that I've got um abstraction licenses for about seventeen and a half million gallons down there that we've been paying for for thirteen years to keep them abstraction licenses. Knowing that, hopefully, you know, knowing that we were going back into into production and not being able to do that, it, it it was hard. I'm more than happy to have a chat with anybody who is stuck in this situation.
0: How would somebody get hold of you, Rob, if they if they want to do that?
2: Um, they can email me at uh, rob at linksarchiving co uk.
0: And that's probably the best way to get in touch with you in the first place. Yeah,
2: definitely. Just okay, just drop me a line and. Um, I'm more than happy just to have a word with anybody about it. Rob Applewhite, many thanks for joining
0: us on the farming programme today. Thank you very much. Kit Dickinson from Openfield joins
5: us now for a look at the markets and prices. Morning, Kit. Good morning, Steve. Global wheat markets bounced higher in the middle of the week after a negative start as production worries were back on the table. London rose 70p, basis November 20 russian analysts reported concerns over a potential lower spring wheat yield after recent dry weather is likely to severely affect their crop this is in complete contrast of another analyst's view only a couple of days ago it's very tricky to get an accurate picture we are not on the ground russia covers an enormous area and you do wonder if some of the news may be political aid to their own food security and control internal prices nevertheless supply is being questioned and with the picture in the eu getting no better either wheat prices improved. Good news for wheat, but maize values continue to struggle to find any momentum and remain under the pump. As I've mentioned before, maize under pressure means a higher demand for wheat. Favourable weather forecasts remain and the question marks over demand with the weekly ethanol production finding a new level, well under where it should normally be, but going in the right direction. More anecdotal reports on wheat yields being a little all over the place really. Mixed reports are probably where we need to expect to be given the different conditions the wheat was drilled into this season. It does seem, on the whole, better than winter barley, although quality is still an issue. Low proteins, where there isn't normally a problem, is still the largest talking point. I'm not entirely sure what happens with premiums and a relaxation of spec if we are still talking about this in 10 days' time. Oilseed rape, Rape rapeseed futures had a poor week this week. After an impressive run in recent weeks, the French motif moved lower by over 4 euros, weighed down by a negative soybean market and a palm oil that has just dropped off the top. A lot of oilseed rape has now been combined in the south of Lincolnshire, but the north still has a long way to go. Varying reports of yield and oils, but the average so far seems to be around the 1 tonne to the acre mark. With forward prices looking very good, it is worth considering marketing a parcel of this oilseed when you have an accurate idea of tonnage in the shed. Barley. Spring barley quality so far showing high nitrogens in the south of the country. The complete opposite to wheat. I'm not sure we have really seen enough yet and some of what I consider to be probably the best barley land is still a few weeks away from harvest. It could be a long drawn out barley harvest with many crops ripening at different stages. The majority of the spring barley is still to cut, but the winter barley has been done in Lincolnshire, with still a small area to go. The general view is lower yield and protein, but on a year like this, samples are very varied. Moving on to prices this week for feed wheat, August 160 to 162, November 163 to 165, February 166 to 168, May 170 to 172. Million-week premiums are circa £25 to £27. Oilseed rate, £324 to £326 for August. And moving forward to November, £332 to 334 February, 335 to 337 And May 21, 338 to 340 Feed barley for August is 122 to 124 November, 126 to 128 February 129 to 131 and May 131 to 133 malting barley premiums are sample specific given the wide range of samples we've seen so far so please get in touch with your open field farm business manager for a specific price
0: kit dickinson from open field back with an update same time next sunday on the farming program the farming program 5 day forecast well, it's been very warm for a couple of days. Is it going to continue? Well, no. Actually, it's not too bad. Some rain around to start the week and warming up again by Thursday. Sunday brings a little bit of rain this afternoon. Highs of 20 Celsius and westerly winds around 13, 14 miles per hour. Monday looks much the same. Westerly winds again, but calmer, not reaching double figures MPH. Maybe a millimetre or two of rain in the morning and highs in the upper teens. Tuesday also brings two or three mil of rain on a cloudy day with temperatures no higher than the mid-teens. Breezier with winds from the southwest mid-teens MPH but gusting to around the mid-30s. Wednesday stays windy from the southwest speeds in the mid-20s but less gusty dry and warmer with highs of 24 celsius and then to end the week we've got temperatures getting up to the mid-20s celsius staying mostly dry on Thursday and Friday with sunshine and single-figure winds from the southwest to west. Well, a busy farming programme again this week. You can listen back if you've missed anything on the website or the app. Indeed, all previous editions are there going back to the start of the year. I'm Steve Orchard. Thanks, your company will reconvene for more agriculture news and stories same time next week. And we'll be joined then by broadcaster, writer and countryman Ben Fogel. In the meantime, stay safe, stay positive and have a good farming week.